0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Wherever she may be, she's upstairs, but she probably hears me. Amen. Genesis 49 and verse number 10 Jacob has gathered all of his sons around he's pronouncing their, their blessing upon them speaking future and destinies into their life and he goes through Reuben and Simeon and Levi and he comes to Judah one particular portion of this that is spoken over Judah's life the tribe of Judah is this in verse 10 he said the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come and unto him shall the gathering of the people be we can turn over to Esther chapter number 4 I want to read verse 11 out of chapter number 4 and verses 1 and 2 out of chapter number 5 the Bible says in verse number 11 and the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that Whosoever, This is Esther speaking. Whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king and to the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live, but I have not been called to come unto the king these 30 days. The Bible continues in chapter 5 and verse 1. Now it came to pass on the third day, that Esther put on her royal apparel stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house and it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand so Esther drew near. And touch the top of the scepter. This morning, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I really battled a little bit thinking maybe I'd just save this for night. But I remember Paul Mooney one time, he was preaching to a bunch of preachers and he told them, if God gives you something, he gave you something to speak it in the moment that he gave it. And so I don't want to try to make my own agenda and save something that I think is for night that God says is for this morning. Amen. So with the help of the Lord this morning, I'd like to preach simply this. The scepter won't depart from Judah. The scepter won't depart from Judah. God, we come before you this morning. Lord, and we're grateful to you. God, in your kindness, Lord, toward us. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, you can help us in the next little while. God, as we, Lord, look at the scriptures and the word of God. I pray, oh Lord, today, let them find, Lord Jesus, a place of security in our life. God, let there be a spirit of revelation, Lord, upon this place. God, and praises, Lord, I pray, would well up within the lives and the hearts of the people that are gathered here today. God will not fail, Lord, to thank you and will not fail to praise you, Lord, for what you accomplish and do in this house. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, Amen and amen. In the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. The scepter won't depart, won't depart from Judah. That was the promised destiny over the son of Jacob and over that particular tribe. A scepter, and I, I brought Bishop, he has all the props and tools a guy would ever need in his office. And so I went back there this morning and grabbed what I would label as a scepter today. I went to his office, grabbed that scepter. A scepter could be either wood or it could even be a rod. It could be denoted as a rod or as a staff. A scepter could. Many times they were made of wood and even overlaid with some type of metal was upon a scepter. But it was all times denoted even in Scripture. The word scepter is not used too many times in and of itself in our English translation of the Bibles. But whenever a scepter is mentioned in Scripture, It is denoting a place of authority. It's denoting a place of of government and of power. And we understand in Scripture that the Bible says that the scepter shall not depart from Judah. If, If I were just to preach that particular Scripture the normal way that it is preached, we would come to understand that the scripture was speaking of that there would be a king that would undoubtedly rise out of the tribe of Judah that we would know by the name of David. And there would be several kings after him that would be of that self-same tribe of Judah, meaning that the authority and the rule and the power would continue with the tribe of Judah and that ultimately that would be the case until Shiloh would come. The word Shiloh is a kind of a mystery word in the Old Testament. Uh, sometimes denoted as a place and other times denoted as a person. The word Shiloh literally means uh, whose it is or whose scepter it is. That, that the scepter would not depart from Judah until the one to whom it belonged came. Right. That's, oh, oh, that's good. Or that to whom the scepter belonged come. Other translation says until he comes to whom the scepter belongs. And so it was going to remain with Judah, be given to Judah, be, if you will, extended to Judah until the one to whom it belonged came. Meaning that the scepter was not Judah's. He was not the possessor of it, but he was the one to whom it was extended to until the one that owned the scepter came. Until that person or that individual came. This is nothing more but a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ being born in the New Testament Scripture. Whose lineage travels all the way back to David and from the tribe of Judah. Meaning that Judah through you and in you there is going to be power and authority. And there is going to be a government that's going to travel if you will through the loins of the tribe of Judah. All the way up until the one to whom this government really belongs belongs to and power belongs to comes and that is the Lord Jesus Christ can someone say amen it is known that whenever a king or one of royalty had a scepter he many times would hold the scepter in his hand During public assemblies They say that whenever a king Was most of the time seated And he had his scepter It was oft times found resting between his feet And leaning against his own body Whenever we read concerning kings And their scepters Uh, We don't have as I said much in scripture That states anything about scepters And perhaps the most that we can get Any information from Is the story of Esther Concerning a scepter We read of it being a sign and the symbol of power and authority and government but to get a little further instruction concerning the meaning of a scepter or the operation of the scepter we must go to Esther in order to understand what is taking place. The Bible tells us and if you'll just allow me just to do what I do alright the Bible tells us that we are in a quandary right here because the Bible says that Esther understands that her people are in grave danger. Amen. She understands that that she needs really to go into the presence of this heathen king and try if you will to divert reverse what has been spoken against her people the Jewish people and that was a mayhem a killing an alienation of her people but the problem of the situation is this Esther has not been beckoned she has not been invited into the presence of the king as she tells Mordecai, I've not been beckoned into his presence for 30 days. It has been 30 days since he has asked me to come into his presence. And she says, you know as well as I know, there is a law and there is a rule that nobody enters the presence of the king unless he Beckons them. Nobody enters into the palace, into the presence of royalty unless they have been beckoned. And if a man or a woman, it doesn't matter if your queen, enters into the presence of the king without being beckoned, there is a law that says that they can absolutely meet death and that they are subject to die. And the only exception to that rule of a man or a woman dying approaching the king without having been bidded into the presence of the king as if the king sitting on his throne will extend the scepter to the one that is approaching says all, all, all other means. There have been several other people, no doubt, Esther maybe could even recount, that entered the presence of the king without being beckoned by the king that met their death. The only segue, the only exception, the only other possibility that you can survive in the presence of the king is if there is an extension of the scepter toward you. Because all the other time, it's leaning on himself. All the other time, it's within his. Possession, But if he takes that as you approach him and extend it out to you, then you got the favor of the king. In essence, whenever the scepter is extended to anybody outside of the king, that is the welcome of the king in his presence. Someone say amen. Someone say glory. She says for 30 days, I've not been there. But I've already decided that I'm going to have to get there because there is something, amen, that needs to be contended with. And so she knows that her life is seemingly in her own hands as she approaches the king. The Bible says she decked herself out in her royal apparel. Amen. She entered into the presence of the palace, into the presence of this heathen king. And whenever she did, he took note of her. And rather than giving her death, he gave her the welcome. If you will, a man of, of, of his audience by extending to her the golden scepter. Yes, sir. And so what I know from scripture then, a scepter is a symbol of power, of government, and of authority. But an extended scepter is the welcome of the king. Yes, sir. Someone say right. amen. amen. I want to preach to this congregation just a little while this morning if I can that whenever Jacob was speaking over Judah's life, Amen. He was not only speaking to him concerning a king that would come through the tribes of Judah by David and Jesus Christ himself eventually in the New Testament Scripture. He was not just speaking of the power and the authority that would be invested in the life of that tribe as they would make their way through the genealogy and the lineage of Jesus Christ. But with this in mind this morning, we need to remember something very, very crucial and simplistic that preachers have preached about all through their lives. Life, that whenever the Bible says that Judah was born his mother said I will praise the Lord because his name meant praise. And so I submit to you this morning the Bible said in the prophecy over the tribe of Judah or over the tribe of praise was this the scepter is not going to depart from you until the one that it belongs to comes. What are you saying then this morning? I'm saying this this morning folks that there is no greater welcome of the king, the king welcomes, if you will, the praisers that are in his house. That wasn't given to Levi. The the, the scepter was not given to Reuben. It was not given to Naphtali. But he said, I'm gonna let the scepter not depart. His presence is not going anywhere. His welcome is not going anywhere. It's gonna be given unto Judah. Someone say amen. Someone say yes. That it's going to be given unto Judah. The scepter will not depart from Judah. Amen. The king's welcome. If I could say it like that, the king's welcome is not going to depart from the praisers. That's right. Oh. Yes. Amen. Amen. Uh-huh. The king's welcome uh-huh. is not going to depart from the praisers. Right. His presence yes. is not going to depart from the praisers. Uh-huh. Amen. His presence belongs to himself. But he says, as long as they're praisers, as long as Judah's in existence, until I come, might I say, till I come again, as long as Judah and praisers are in existence, he said, my presence are going to be with the praisers. Someone say amen. because what we have here to understand this just a little bit better the Bible tells us both in Psalms 33 and 1 and Psalms 147 and 1 whenever it speaks of this idea or this concept of praise it says that praise is comely for the upright it says that praise in 147 and 1 it says praise is comely meaning that praise is suitable or praise is beautiful or that praise that comes from derivatives that mean that praise Praise is at home, and praise is lovely. Praise becomes a dwelling place. Praise becomes a habitation. He said, praise is comely for the upright. Amen. Isaiah even spoke of a garment of praise. It's because whenever you praise, praise adorns you. Whenever you praise, praise encompasses you. Whenever you praise, it is becoming at you. It's at home, and it's at rest upon you. It's lovely. It's beautiful. It is as a garment. Someone say amen. amen. Oh, yeah. yes, now, watch this. You got to understand, amen, what's happening here in Esther. Because if you'll understand, the story opens up. Here is King Ahasuerus. I know he's a pagan king, but he's over 127 provinces. Uh, he's been having a party for many, many days now. Amen. For, for 180 days, he's been showing all the royals his kingdom and his riches and his majesty. And the Bible says at the end of this 180-day show-and-tell session that he had all of these powerful people together. And he starts to make a celebration of a feast in particular for seven days. And the Bible says that on the seventh day, he requested his queen, who at that time was Vashti, he requested his queen to come in before the people. You can read of this in Esther 1. That queen Vashti would come in before the people so that the people and the princess could see her beauty. And the Bible says when his couriers went and told Vashti that the king, listen to me, follow me closer today, that the king wants you to come into his presence so he can showcase your beauty. Yes, sir. The Bible says that Vashti refused to go into the presence of the king. <laughs> All right? so we have a lady that the king wants to show off her beauty and she says no I'm not coming into the presence of the king though he is beckoning unto me yet the bible tells us concerning Esther that here is a lady that has not even been beckoned into the presence of the king for 30 days 30 days he hasn't called her but now she is going unashamedly No doubt he was mindful of her humble approach. No doubt Ahasuerus was mindful. Of her prepared approach of being in all the adornment of her royal apparel. But perhaps what stood out mostly in the mind of Ahasuerus more than anything else is that Esther's way into his presence was in contrast to Vashti. Because Esther, she is coming without having to be called, without having to be invited. Amen. Compared to Vashti, who even when she was invited, didn't come. Yes, sir. Come on now. That's good. Yes, sir. I had a queen that I asked to come into my presence and she refused. But now I have a queen that wants to come into my presence even when I haven't called her. Two types of people, Amen. That show up at every service. They're the vast ties, and they're the Esters. There's the one that God says, "Come into my presence, come into my presence," and they say, "No, Lord, not now, Lord, at another time, Lord." And then there are the Esters that says, "God, I'm coming in, I'm approaching. Whether there's a, you don't have to call me, you don't have to, you don't have to somehow cheerlead me along. I'm willing. I've come. Someone say Amen." And say glory, glory. glory. Come on. Good ah. that's just coming. The scepter yeah. was extended ah. to her yeah. because the scepter does not depart from a worshiper, right. Right. a praiser. Right. She's willing to come, she desires his presence. Yes, Praisers desire the presence of the master they don't have to have special invitations they don't have to have puppeteers that says let's clap Let's raise our hands. Let's lift our voice. Let's take a march. Let's walk. No, no. They don't have to have an invitation. All they need is to have a king and understand the king and who the king is. And any time, any time, they'll have the welcome of the king because they're a praiser. Someone say amen. Amen. Esther. Esther even after consideration that it may mean death for her, she said, you know what? I'm willing to risk my own life for audience with the king. In other words, I'm willing to risk it all for audience with the king. I don't know what Vashti wanted. Maybe she wanted the audience on her terms. Huh? Maybe she wanted the audience on her terms. If that happens and this happens and if things are just so and so and such and such, I'll enter into the presence of the king. That was not Esther. She says things are as they are, but I need his presence. And I don't care what has to I have to suffer loss for or what I got to lose out with in order to secure the presence of the king. That is the attitude of a praiser. They say, I don't care what's going to be lost over this. I don't care what I'm going to look like over this. I don't care what it may cost me over this. I just want to go into the presence of the king. And whenever you understand this today, folks, and understand Vashti, Vashti, the Bible tells us in Esther 1 and 11, that because of her, her actions, amen, she he was wanting to come in. Amen. He was wanting her to come in to show her beauty. To so she was so fair to look upon. But because she refused, the Bible tells us that she was banned from the king's presence forever. Forever. In other words, Vestai lost her audience with the king forever because she was too self-conscious. Amen. But because. Esther lost her self-consciousness. She got the welcome of the king. No big deal, Brother McGee. There is a big deal. Because there was the decree that was put out through all the land. Because some of the chamberlains and some of the rulers said, We got to take action. For the way that Vashti has responded Or rather not responded Amen to your invitation Because we have all the rulers All the kings All the magistrates here There's husbands and wives in this assembly And if the if, if the queen is willing to reject the king Amen Whenever he asks her to come into his presence There's going to be some wives That are going to be rejecting their husbands In their individual homes That's not going to come into the presence So we got to make a decree here He said okay We're going to make a decree we're going to take care of Ashtai she enters no more into the presence of the king but we're going to make a decree in Esther 120 that all the wives shall give to their husbands honor amen put to great and small in other words it didn't matter amen what that person what their title was what they served in he says there is a law amen that the pride is to give honor to the husband whether he be great or small honor just another word if i can for praise all the wise are to give praise to the husbands whether great or small and i'm not talking about literal husbands here today but god said there is something so important in scripture about being a praiser that We cannot let it go unmarked or unstamped. If somebody refuses to go into the presence of the king. Someone say glory. Glory. Says we got to straighten this thing out. Say well brother McGee you've been talking about a pagan king this morning. That doesn't really apply to the king of glory. That doesn't really apply to the king of kings. Well I'm glad you said that and I thought ahead. Is in Psalms 45 is a psalm. Some of the headings say a song of loves. What it comes down to is this it was a nuptial or a wedding psalm. You may want to open your Bibles there. I'm not going to have it for you on the screen, but Psalms 45 is a wedding psalm. And what it is describing here in the scripture, it is describing. the the, the groom and the bride and the setting of their union in a wedding right here. What we have here in essence is a one of the many messianic songs, meaning a psalm that's about Christ. And since it's talking about him, he is undoubtedly the groom, but guess who the bride is? The church. And so we see then a psalm, a wedding psalm, a groom between a bride, amen, Christ and his church. And as we read through there, you can go down just to list a little bit the Bible, amen, the writer begins to describe the groom. It describes the groom as being fairer, amen, than all the different children of men. It describes him as being, having a sword on his thigh. He is ready for battle and ready to fight. It speaks about him being prospering in his majesty because of the truth and the meekness and the. The righteousness doesn't that describe amen our king of glory amen it begins to describe this groom that he is successful against his enemies that, that the arrows go forth and meet their mark and notice verse number 6 it speaks about his throne that his throne is forever and that his scepter is right amen his throne is forever and his scepter this scepter of the Messiah the scepter of Jesus Christ it's right and his throne is forever amen and the spirit about how he loves righteousness and hates wickedness and as a result of all that he's been anointed and that about him and in the arena and the area of him is an aroma of his presence that's wonderful but in the same context it mentions his throne and bespeaks the scepter note that the scepter does belong unto shiloh christ but he's given it to judah and it's not going to depart Till Shiloh come. I don't know if anybody's understanding a lick of what I'm saying today. But what I'm saying is this. Until Christ comes. Not even just the first time as he did. But the second time. His scepter is staying with the praisers. So in the mode of speaking about this scepter. It goes on to talk about the bride. It speaks of her. We could take a whole Bible study on Psalms 45. The bride, it speaks of that she is honorable. Outside of all the the, the king's daughters, that she is honorable. Amen. And that she is at the right placement. She's at the placement of the king's right hand. That she is adorned in gold. Amen. And it says to us in verse 10 that she was to forget her past. Forget your fathers. Forget your past. Forget where you've come from. He says in verse 11 that basically the king desires your beauty. someone hearing me? When it was the beauty of Vashti or the beauty of Esther or even the beauty of this woman in Psalms 45. Remember that praise is comely. And praise is as a garment. He says they desire, the king desires your beauty. And that what? When she would come that she would worship him. Verse 12 says that there were going to be some of the daughters of Tyre that are there. In other words, there's going to be some heathen nations that's going to be there with gifts to attempt to grab your favor. But the king is asking for your favor. In verse 13, now note, the Bible says not only is she glorious, amen, without, but she's also adorned and glorious within. And verse 14 and 15, look at it now, that her approach to the king is with what? Gladness and rejoicing. That's how she enters the palace. That's how she enters his presence. Why? Because she knows she'll have the welcome of the king if she enters as a praiser. Yes, sir. Someone say amen. The Bible says in Psalms twenty-two and verse twenty-six they shall praise the Lord that seek him. You get that? They shall praise the Lord that seek him. In other words, if you're seeking after God, a good venue and way to do so is through your praise. Because you can get the welcome of the king when you enter in as a tribe of Judah with praise upon your lips. What are you saying this morning, with me? I don't know what more I can say outside of this. Whenever praise starts happening to a church service, there can be a turn of events in just a moment because you, the church, the body of believers, gets the welcome of the scepter and the king whenever praise is going forth from their mouth because he said it's not going to depart from praise. It's not going to depart from Judah. It's not going to depart from a people that understand who I am. Why does the Bible tell us in Psalms 100 to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be... Be thankful unto him and bless his name why does it tell us to enter as that because scripture knows and god knows that when we enter as a praiser he will not refuse his welcome to the tribe of judah yes. uh-huh. Come on someone say amen yes. it's no surprise then right. in the book of revelation Whenever it comes to the marriage supper of the Lamb or the marriage of the Lamb, that uh-huh. the Bible tells us in Revelation 19 and verse 5, these words concerning the book of Revelation, the marriage of the Lamb. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise, uh-huh. yeah. 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 praise yeah. our God, yeah. 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 all ye servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. Yeah. 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 And it goes on and tells us in the next verse that the marriage of the Lamb has come. The marriage of the Lamb has come. Just like in Psalms 45, if she entered into her groom with rejoicing and gladness, it's no different in the end of time that we will approach that time of the marriage of the church with the Lamb of God, with praise. And honey, if it's gonna be there on our wedding day, it better be there all along our engagement. It better be there all along the courting project His welcome will not depart from the praisers. Someone say Amen. Come on. I know. praise isn't the only thing that's a qualification or a requisite if you will for our marriage to the Lord Jesus Christ but also the call and the welcome of the king is not extended without it either the scepter will not depart from Judah among all of the brides adorning the Bible says that this marriage of the Lamb has come for the bride have made herself ready and all of the adorning and the garments that were even granted to her that was fine linen which was the righteousness of the saints I also believe was that garment if you will of praise that demand, that command then to praise the Lord a facet if you will of her beauty a facet of the bride's grandeur and of her readiness and of her comeliness is her praise Amen Oh, Brother McGee, not necessary. I beg to differ. Whenever they're all sitting around the table and Christ is with them, there comes in a woman, as it were, off a street. It would sing with her alabaster box. She would break it before the Lord and pour that ointment out upon the Lord in, in an act of worship, in an act of praise. And while others are judging and others are saying, what a waste and this is really not necessary, Christ just speaks up and plainly says, why don't you leave that lady alone? I've asked all of you to come here. I asked all of you to come here. But she came here without being beckoned. Leave her alone. Because I'm extended. She has my welcome, because she, she's the one that has the praise. Leave her alone with what she's doing with that costly ointment and that alabaster box. Because my scepter's not going to depart from the Judas. My scepter's not gonna depart from the praiser, so just leave her alone. And beside that, and another occurrence of scripture, all oh, the Christ is coming into the city and the town, and they're crying out, Hosanna, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is King David, blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. And some are setting to the side and saying, why don't you silence those people and let them keep their peace? He says, wait a minute, hey, amen, don't you dare say a word about them. Did I not say in the psalmist David that out of the mouths of babes and sucklings I have perfected praise. And praise always gets the welcome of the king. Praise always gets the scepter. Praise, it will not depart from praise. As a matter of fact, if these hold their peace, he said the stones will cry out. Because my scepter, my welcome will always be devoted to the praisers. He honors it. He honors the principle of the praiser. I've been in a lot of churches, folks. Now, I'm not just saying, a lot. I mean, I've been in a lot of churches. I guarantee you I've been in over and preached in, in well over 300 churches. Easy. Amen. I know I started counting one time, but I never finished the count. Well over 300 churches. And there's one thing I learned for sure, and that is I've never not found God where Judah was. Because his scepter won't depart from her you some brother McGee that's hodgepodge no 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 I'm telling the truth let me tell you something and let's just do a little revelatory maybe thing for your own mind today the reason why some people that don't have truth but still see sign miracle and wonder is because they're praisers and worshipers and he will not break the principle of his spirit amen his presence not being welcome where praise and worship happens and so he'll heal their sick and he'll take care of their lame it doesn't matter if they're still walking in false doctrine amen they'll just have to deal with that they know what perhaps the truth is or isn't is but he cannot break the principle that his scepter will you pick that up his scepter will not depart from Judah. You hearing me? Yes sir because he honors it. there's a principle. so while all this other stuff displeased some it was honorable to the Lord he welcomed it he went to the defense of it he went to the defense of appraising walk with me i will going to hold you much longer I don't want to wear myself out In Ezekiel 28 Ezekiel 28 is the story speaking of the king of Tyrus which has twofold double meaning a literal king and also speaking of Lucifer Okay? It's a double meaning. Because the Bible goes on to talk about how he was in Eden. King Ty- Tyrus was never in Eden. It's a double meaning. It speaks of a literal king, but it also speaks of a spiritual foe. Lucifer. Satan. The devil. And with this being said, when it speaks in Ezekiel 28 of the king of Tyrus, the king of this place. It said, Tyrus, here's where you went wrong. You said that you were God. That's what the Bible says. King Tyrus said that I am God. God but something that you did right he told us in Ezekiel 28 verses 2 and 6 concerning the king of Tyrus he said you set your heart as the heart of God that's honorable you set your heart as the heart of God but you went wrong whenever you came to a place and said I am God now look at verse number 13 Ezekiel 28 and verse number 13 I don't know if I got I do have that for you speaking of this king of Tyrus or if you will Lucifer, this dual fulfillment, this dual prophecy. The Bible says, "Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering: the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold." Note now, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou Was created. The workmanship of thy tabrets. And of thy pipes. Was prepared in thee. In the day thou was created. He said you were in verse 14. The anointed cherub. That covereth. He says Lucifer. Listen to me. Lucifer. There were workmanship. Placed in you of tabrets and pipes. Prepared. From the very day. That I created you. I created you as an instrument. I created you as a praiser. Are you hearing me? The workmanship of the pipes and the tablets were prepared in you from the day I created you. You were created a praiser. And therefore, being created a praiser, I could not deny my principle. You would have the welcome of the king always uh-huh, uh-huh. because my scepter shall not depart from Judah. You would have access to my presence always because I created you as a praiser. Come on. Come on now. But the adversary went from the praiser. That could not be denied the access of God's presence to a covetous being of praise himself. Rather than being the praise her, he wanted to become the praised. But from his conception, he was created to be the praiser. I hope I got everybody's attention this morning, because the adversary... Your enemy occupies the most frustrating positions in the world. Are you listening? And that is to have been created and prepared for praise, but void of the welcome of the king. Are you hearing me? Come on Sir. Because he desired to be the praised rather than the praiser. But although he was created with tabrets, created with pipes, the workmanship for the purpose of praise, because he had that alteration in his spirit, he still has the pipes. He still has the workmanship, if you will, of the tablets, all the instrumentation necessary for praise. But he can't have the Lord's welcome or presence anymore. This is the, this is the gist of it all. He hasn't created us really much differently than what he created them. He created you with a voice. He created you with articulation that no other creature upon the earth has though they can still yet praise. He has created you with the instrumentation if you will of praise. But we get things topsy-turvy whenever we want to be the praised rather than the praiser. When it becomes all about us rather than all about him. When we become the vast that calls the shots. When we're going to enter his presence and when we're not. We got to come to a mentality today that I am a praiser and as long as I'm a praiser I have the king's welcome as long as I'm a praiser I have the king's presence as long as I'm a praiser I have all the power and the authority of the king of the kingdom at my command yes. don't get to a place you find yourself in a frustrated position as the adversary would like to include you in having all the makeup of a praiser but not being able to have his presence someone say amen amen So what does this tell us then Brother McGee This tells me this That The privilege Of the king's welcome Is not by position Or inheritance It is by choice You hear me It's not position He's created with all the makeup Of a praiser But he doesn't have access Why? Because he'd rather receive praise Than give praise not by position it's not by creation it's not by makeup it's by choice That's the reason why, amen, whenever I looked up the phrase this morning, I will praise, I looked up that exact phrase in the Word of God. It's used all in the Old Old Testament, none in the New. That phrase, I will praise, I will praise is found 21 times in the Old Testament, 19 of those times in the book of Psalms. It is saying, I will praise. Why? Because that denotes to me a choice. I will praise. I choose to praise. When I get there on Wednesday night Bible study, I'm going to praise when I arrive on Sunday morning after being in all kinds of services, I'm going to praise. her. When I arrive Sunday night, I'm going to praise. Well, what goes with that? Whenever I do that, I know I will not be denied the scepter. I know I won't be denied the presence and the welcome of the king. I will. King Osiris. You have a heart, he said. You have a heart, amen, that's been after God. You have a, you've set your heart as God. But David throughout the psalm says, I will praise. Because not only did he have a heart that was set as God, but he had a heart that was after God's own heart. He says, I will choose. I will praise. I choose to praise because I know the scepter is not going to depart from Judah. If You'll stand with me this morning. And so, yes, meaningful. Dual fulfillment whenever Christ would come as a child, being born a king, as Shiloh, if you will. Tribe of Judah, and those that would rule would have the power and the glory and honor through David and his lineage. Until Jesus came, and then the scepter was given to him to whom it belonged, Shiloh. But even from that time to now for another fulfillment, until he comes again. It's his scepter. We learn from Esther, it's that denoting of his welcome. Of the presence of one that enters his his palace and his presence. It's his welcome of them to come on in. He says it's not going to depart from Judah. His welcome. Scepter. It was usually always with the king. Where the scepter was, the king was. The scepter was, the presence of the king was. He says, that scepter... That presence is going to stay with Judah. It's going to stay with praise. If you ever have a hard time finding his presence, you might need to switch into a venue of praise because the scepter is with praise. Now, note very quickly. Whenever Esther entered, she hadn't been there for 30 days, he hadn't beckoned her. She says, I'm going. There's a lot that we could, there's a whole lot we could start talking about there. About you, you know, not needing a special invitation to go to the presence of the Lord. We we could start talking about all kinds of things. She had the mentality that I'm going to go regardless, and she went, and that scepter was extended to her. That that scepter was extended to her, and so that meant that she had welcome in her presence. Esther came in. That staff, that, that, that scepter that normally leaned against him, He takes now and submits it to her, which meant she was welcome in his presence. The Bible says she got up and she put her hand on top of the scepter. Note the very next words of the king. He says, what is your request? Now here's the difference between the pagan king and our king. He said, what is your request? I'll give it to you. Why are you doing this? Because you came in when I didn't call. You sought me whenever I wasn't seeking you. And he says, you didn't put your hand on there, Sister Sam. I'm asking you, what is your request? He says, I'll give it to you to half the kingdom that's the pagan king but your king says i'll give you all of my kingdom the scepter is not departing from the praiser and if you're a praiser that means whatsoever your request is if you'll make it be known to god he'll give it to you out of the treasure of his bounty and in excess because he's not going to disqualify you he's not going to show you the door because he said my scepter already belongs to the brave so i'm challenging someone here this morning my brother mcgee it's been some time big deal Make your way to the presence of the King, and see if He don't extend. Are, I'm going to extend it to them. My presence, my welcome, and whatever request they have, I'll meet it. I'll meet it. We can raise our heads all across this place. This is a lesson that needs to be learned. lesson that needs to be practiced why you say so i said because esther even later going to a pagan king we see that she does the exact same thing she goes to him again i think it is in chapter number eight maybe or a little baby before she goes to him again and he extends guess what boom his scepter again and says what's your request esther got something going on in her spirit she understood the principle I wish that we would get it in our hearts and in our minds. We're not putting God out whenever we start telling how majestic he is and how great he is and how honorable he is and being thankful for everything he's done. No, no, we're not putting God out my scepter. I'll leave my presence right there within that church. Every time they show up to the house of God, as long as they remain a praiser, as long as they remain a worshiper, I'll keep my presence right there. I'll station it there. I'll let it abide there. And whatever their request is, I'll meet it. I'll meet it. I'll meet it. Does anybody have a request this morning? Does somebody got a need? I challenge you to approach the throne room of God. Even if you've not felt him pull on you, you go on and invade his presence and see if he won't extend his Scepter is welcome to you. Let's honor the Lord today, right now. If you want to raise your hands, come to an altar. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.